This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. This is your host tonight, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside, well, nobody. But I do have a very fun show planned for tonight, and I do have a guest that's going to jump on with us as well. His name is Brent McGuire. A lot of you guys do know who he is. We used to do a podcast together called OBP, and this is kind of the first time I think that he's really been on the show. I mean, he's been on a couple times with me, but you know, just, you know, me and I, me and him are going to talk about a little minor league baseball. But before we really get into that and, you know, anything else that's going on, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast and supports us in everything. I know, like I said, before Derek and John haven't really been able to get on that much. I want to get them on really badly, but they are working a lot. And like I said, I hope that they listen to all these podcasts and I hope they're going to get on real soon because they make the show what it is. And without them, it's just kind of not the same. I know me and Brock do you know, our best to kind of replace them, but it's not, you know, Derek and John. So guys, without any further ado, what I kind of want to get into is kind of, I guess, break down, you know, today in the winter meetings, or I, I guess yesterday, if that's when you're listening to it, to a little bit of news, nothing real crazy to talk about. Uh, on the Angels front, they, Robert Murray of, I believe, The Athletic reported that the Angels had some interest in James McCann. Which, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I, you know, mentioned to, to a couple people. They had mixed emotions about it just because, I mean, I get it. I do get it. The Angels do need a catcher, but at what cost? How much are you going to pay a catcher? And you look, James McCann is going to bring in a fairly substantial lot of money. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to allocate it. The Angels do need a lot of pitching, and we'll get into that in a second because there was a little bit of news on that as well. But back on James McCann, it was reported earlier in the day that he was almost about to sign a four-year deal with the Mets, and then out of nowhere, the Angels were still involved. So, like I said, again, mixed emotions on that front. I don't 
know at the moment i mean max stassi is hurt coming off of hip surgery and we don't know if he's really ready behind that is anthony bimboom and jack krueger kiner pena franklin torres and if a lot of you guys are saying jared who the hell are you talking about that's the exact reason why I'm mentioning that because, I mean, a lot of these guys, Jack Kruger's the one that's played highest and he's only been into double A. So the Angels are definitely going to need a catcher, especially if Stassi is not ready for the opening day or even the start of spring training. They're going to need some type of backup catcher. If that's going to be James McCann or if it's going to be somebody else, there are a lot of interest. There are quite a few interesting options. I know if you guys listened to our show yesterday, Nate brought up Austin Barnes, which is kind of an interesting trade piece then I don't think it would cost too much to go and get him especially with the surplus of catchers that the Dodgers have but yeah you know it's it's just kind of an interesting subject to get into and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about possible catchers like I said especially with Stassi being hurt and basically Anthony Benboom who is in my opinion a 4A catcher working his way to being possibly the Angels starting catcher so We'll kind of see and monitor how that goes along um, as the winter meetings go along. Well, this abbreviated winter meetings. Some more news that came out of it. It was reported also by Jason McKay, who is a beat writer for the Pittsburgh Pirates, that the Yankees and Pirates have had conversations about a possible Jamison tie-on trade. Now, this is a name that I've brought up before. You know, any names have or this even really happened as a possible trade piece you look the pirates aren't really in contention and jameson tyon is set to become a free agent i believe in 2024 so he's still fairly actually 2023 he's still fairly young at the age of 29 um pretty controllable still he's coming off a couple injuries which is you know i guess if you talk to you know the casual angels fan or really any fan that's kind of the angels mo is an injured pitcher so if you're saying to yourself jared why are the angels going to be getting or why would the angels want to go get an injured pitcher i mean it makes kind of a lot of sense at the end of the day when you really think about it and jameson tyon is also a top prospect throws hard and there is a lot of upside with him as well it was also reported not you know a little bit later in the day that by john Heyman that joe musgrove could also be on the market by um, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that's another interesting name. Both those names actually are, like I said, are super interesting. And I don't think would command too big of a return either. I don't think it's someone you're going to have to give up. I don't, actually, I definitely don't think you'll have to give up Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh for either one of those guys. So if you're looking for, I guess, kind of an under the radar move in a sense, going to Pittsburgh and maybe getting one of those starting pitchers might kind of be the route to go. And I, it wouldn't cost very much, and it's just kind of one of those things. So I would actually I would like to hear maybe some of your guys' thoughts on a possible Joe Musgrove or Jamison Tyon trade. Um, if you guys want to, you know, just shoot it my way, that'd be kind of interesting to hear. Even some possible trades as well. I know a couple people sent me them earlier in the day, so we'll see how that goes. And then finally, I guess the big topic here, and the hashtag's been going around, Angels media social media for you know the past week or so trevor bauer news and i guess in a sense it's trevor bauer his name came up with the angels in the same tweet as john Heyman, but didn't necessarily mean that the angels are pushing 
that hard for him. Though Heyman did say that there have been reports that people around the league are convinced that the Angels are in the market for a top of the rotation piece. And that is nothing to, you know, bad an eye about because we knew this was going to happen. You know the Angels are going to be on that. But yes, the Angels are definitely going to be in on Trevor Bauer. He also mentioned a couple of interesting trade pieces in Blake Snell and Sonny Gray who Blake Snell possibly has been, you know, they they the Angels have more than likely gone out and talked to the Reds about a possible Sonny Gray trade. They've definitely gone out and talked to the Rays about a possible Blake Snell trade, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Angels have already talked to Trevor Bauer and his agent about possibly coming to Anaheim. That doesn't mean there's been money dialogues or anything like that, or player dialogues, just, you know, wanting to reach out to those teams and to the agents about what a possible signing or trade looks like. I can almost guarantee you that has happened, so... That's kind of some good news for you Angels fans out there who are looking for a top of the rotation piece. I don't know if Blake Snell or Sonny Gray might be out of the question with what return, you know, might be in place there. But another name that I think is a possibility too is um, Herman Marquez of the Colorado Rockies. And I know if anybody follows me on Twitter, I've been very vocal about that as well. So... Again, you know, I don't know what Marquez's return is. I think it's going to end up being more than Snell and possibly Sonny Gray combined because I honestly believe that Marquez could be a uh, a top three pitcher in the AL if you get him out of Colorado. But depends on how smart the Rockies are with this whole situation. I mean, it's probably going to cost you Adele, and it's probably going to cost you maybe Marsh as well in that deal. So I don't know if that's too much. I don't think it is to get a starting pitcher of his caliber who could be a Cy Young candidate in the AL right away, but it'll be interesting to see down the road if anything comes about of these names. I know every single year, you know, around this time especially, there's always names thrown around, especially with the Angels, and always big names, because that's the splash that Artie wants to make, and it's always a lot of fun. So guys, on to our next order of business here. It was reported that, actually it wasn't even, this happened in June, I believe, around the draft time, that Major League Baseball would basically downsize their minor leagues from 160 total teams all the way down to 120 teams. And that officially happened today. The Angels will keep the AAA Salt Lake Bees, the AA Rocket City Trash Pandas. Um, They've added the High A Tri-City Dust Devils, that is out of Washington, up north. And they're going to keep the Inland Empire 66ers. That will move to their low A team. Like I think I mentioned, high A is going to be the Tri-City Dust Devils. All four of those teams will be full season, which is kind of fun. And it's actually a real good thing for all you fans who go to Inland Empire games. Because that just means the season won't just start in June. We'll get a full season hopefully next year. And then they're also going to keep the AZL Angels and the DSL Angels as well, the Dominican Summer League and the Arizona League. So just a couple of interesting things there. But kind of one thing I wanted to point on before I have our guest Brent McGuire come on is moving the minor leagues from 160 teams down to 120 teams not only takes you know those 40 teams out of any market, you're losing a huge fan base, which is huge. 
you're losing a lot of players as well, and you're also going to shrink the draft down as well. Now, I know a lot of major leaguers don't come after the 30th, heck, even the 20th round all that often, but there are those stories. I mean, you look down the road, Jared Walsh, who's going to be probably starting at first base for the Angels, 39th rounder. Former Angel Matt Shoemaker was never drafted. So there are a lot of good things that happen in these late rounds. And while the chances of you making the major leagues is very slim as a player, it's just kind of one of those things where having that opportunity to prove it and continue to work forward towards it as a player is a huge thing. And just getting drafted in general is a big thing. As someone like myself or again, like Brent, who I'm going to have on here in a second, that's where we started in the minor leagues. You know, we got our opportunity and not saying that me or him are big by any means. You know, we are amateurs. Brent's work for the athletic, like I'll, like we'll mention, but it's kind of where we got, it is not even kind of, it's where we got started with our reporting and how we got our names out there. And it's where a lot of people start their process of becoming, you know, with an organization or with, you know, getting their name out there is in the minor leagues. That's an excellent way to start it because it's inexpensive to do so. The places that you go are inexpensive and there's a lot of resources that you can use at those minor league places. So in a sense, yes, it's a good thing that these players are now going to be getting a fresh opportunity in a sense, meaning that they're going to have nicer facilities, nicer areas. Hopefully they'll get, you know, better stuff in their clubhouses and such. Cause I've been in clubhouses and it's, it's nice. It is very, it's very nice. And it's a good thing for them to have, but it's nothing like the major leagues. And it's something that you look forward to as a player. You work your way up to, I mean, heck even triple a, I've been to that ballpark and it's an, an incredible bar, ballpark. It's almost like, a major league ballpark they pack 20 to almost 30,000 fans in there a night and it's super cool to see that but nothing quite you know beats the major leagues and also it's it's good for players to work their way up and I will always back up a player with anything rather than you know the organization or rather than somebody higher but you know in the same sense it's just a tough thing so I just want to kind of get on to our interview with Brent McGuire and without further further ado, here is that. All right, guys. So I am joined alongside one of my good friends. I've known him forever, Brent McGuire. Brent, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. I've got to say, since we're together, it's actually the first time I've talked to you, not through text. Congratulations, big dog, on Thank your you. endeavors. Thank you. Look at it, uh, It's been... It's been crazy. Unbelievable, my guy. It's crazy as can be. I mean, we've been friends since high school, beginning of high school. And yeah, now look at you getting married, going to be getting married soon in the near future and proposed. I know. I know. It's it's still a little surreal, so uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, yeah. I just kind of wanted to embarrass you for like two seconds on my our podcast, not mine, but our podcast here. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. I, I appreciate it, Jared. <laughs> all right, good, good. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your perspective. I know that some news came out today. I mean, this has kind of been news in the making, and I've been wanting to talk to 
people that have been familiar with the subject that Major League Baseball has now officially gone from, I guess, minor league baseball to 160 minor league teams all the way down to 20 minor league teams. I know both you and I, I mean, and I would like to get Taylor on this as well. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'd love to get Taylor's perspective because we kind of all have started in the same place and it's where a lot of people start, which is in the minor leagues. And taking away 40 teams is just so huge, I think. I mean, for everybody. I just kind of want to get your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you and I are both vocal about not liking any of this stuff. I think it's universally hated by baseball fans, what Major League Baseball is doing right now. I just think contracting minor league baseball and minor league teams is bad for the sport right now, and it's bad in the long term. I know it's probably going to save them a few bucks in the short term, and I understand the the implications of everything that's going on right now with the pandemic and everything, but you got to think about the long-term consequences of these types of moves. I mean, this is going to hurt the sport as a whole because you have fewer teams, you have fewer places where minor league players can go. It's going to hurt the communities where these teams are leaving. Like you said, it's going to be hurting people like us who are trying to get into the industry, and this is a very accessible avenue to do so. And I just think, like, overall, it kind of sucks. And I don't know if we're going to spend this whole time just ripping on the move itself, but I just I, – I don't like it. I will say I'm happy that the Angels were able to keep Salt Lake and the, the Trash Pandas and then Inland Empire. I was worried about the 66ers making it, but, uh, you know, losing teams like Burlington and Orem, it just – it sucks, man. Yeah, and I just I just went by Orem, and it's a beautiful place there. I – and Ogden, which I don't, I would assume Ogden didn't get their team back, which is the Dodgers minor league team. It's just a beautiful place up there, and it's it's just such an unfortunate thing that's happening. And I mean, it's not just happening in Utah, but it's happening. I mean, Burlington, which is in Iowa, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's a billion Ur- Burlingtons out there. But in Iowa, and like even with Derek's, who's one of the hosts here, I, I know you've talked to him before. Even with Derek, he lost his home. He's going to lose his hometown team too, and it just has such an unfortunate scenario that's happening here and it just i just want to get your perspective because us in general i feel like we have a kind of a special connection to this and you know we started not only our endeavors in high school through through this whole thing but you know we started doing real baseball with the 66ers and reporting about them and with them and you know we've had a blast doing this and granted i mean you're not an amateur but i mean i'm still an amateur with this whole thing and it's just kind of a bizarre thing i just kind of want to you know get your take and you know get a different perspective than my own even though i know we kind of share the same perspectives yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head i think it, it all comes down to being able to have accessibility to being able to do these things and when we first tried to get into you know covering sports minor league baseball was the way to go and that's like you said like so many people start their journeys in the minor leagues and it just again losing this many teams is just it sucks for so many different people who have these long you know deep connections to minor league baseball and all these communities that are getting uplifted and just it's i don't know if i have any other words to describe it it's just not it stinks man like we we started covering games what was it four or five years ago and that was such a big, big moment for us to really get that access to covering players and talking to people and kind of just learning the ins and outs of what it's like to cover baseball and just, you know, losing that kind of avenue is it's going to hurt a lot of people. Yep. And just it's it's 
I wouldn't want to say it's easy because we still are professional with what we do. And that was the first thing that has been taught to us. And it has opened up so many avenues for us. I mean, just by, I mean, I'm going to, I'll ask, I got one more question for you, but just by covering the Mike Trout game that we did and then, you know, being able to, to cover what minor leaguers, and I know we've seen guys like Michael Hermosillo and Jake Jewell and Grayson Long, just to mention a couple. I know, I don't think Grayson's made it yet, but there's so many guys. I mean, I, I can, we can just continuously name off guys that we've seen and known. And even from like a player standpoint, it's so unfortunate. I, I would love to get a player's perspective on this whole thing as well, which I'm going to hopefully try to do eventually. But yeah, it's just such, such an unfortunate thing especially with how many people start at this avenue. Um, I just wanted one more question for you. I'm trying to keep this whole thing quick. Um, can you just give me one memory? I think, I mean, we both share very similar memories with this whole thing, but do you have one memory of minor league baseball that really kind of stands out to you? So, I mean, you just brought it up. The easy answer would be the Mike Trout rehab game. And obviously that was incredible from, a lot of perspectives, but no, I mean, I think just like overall, like you said, being able to see those guys before they make it to the major leagues, like this isn't even like an angels related one, but I got to see Julio Urias and Corey Seager play in a ball before they made it to the majors. And we just saw Seager win world series MVP and Urias was closing out the world series. I mean, that's the type of access that you get with minor league baseball. And the, the great thing about it is, it is accessible and the prices are cheap. It's easy to get to. They're located in communities where, you know, you might not be able to afford or to be able to make that drive to a Dodgers game or an Angels game. So I just personally speaking, being able to have that kind of access is just, it's been so monumental in my journey through all of this. And I'm hoping that there is some good news that comes out of everything that came out today. Yeah, no, definitely. And then last thing, how do we think this affects player development in general? You know, I mean, I think I think every team's going to four teams, including a DSL and Arizona League or a Grapefruit League or Florida Gulf Coast League. Um, how do you think this affects player development? I mean, have you even thought about something like this yet? I've thought about it a lot, and this is such a hard question to tackle. Because I think player development in general right now is going to be so interesting to follow. Obviously, not having minor league baseball this past season and having the draft condensed down to five rounds. I mean, these are going to be these are huge for the sport. And you know, obviously, we've seen some of the teams go away and people losing their jobs. Like, I'm fascinated to see what happens after this. Hopefully, teams are able to figure out what they can do with fewer teams. And we still do have the I believe it's called the draft, the draft league or whatever. So there's still going to be some affiliates below a ball. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely curious to see what happens. You know, I hope that maybe Major League Baseball takes the opportunity uh, with what they've done recently to possibly allocate more resources into providing more for players. Maybe the long-term goal is we're going to have fewer teams, but we're going to do more for our players because I think you and I both agree that it's long overdue that players get a higher raise, they get better benefits, they're able to, you know, have the nutrition, workouts, accessibility to be able to develop into a major league player. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I think this is a hard question to answer right now, but I think we'll have a better idea of what happens next season. Yeah, and I just you bring up a great point with 
like nutrition and stuff. We've been in minor league, you know, everywhere before clubhouses, dugouts. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's just not the same. Granted, that is the perk of, you know, working your way up. Like high A or Inland Empire isn't as nice as triple A. Like triple A is almost major leagues. Salt Lake, I mean, I know we haven't been to games, but we've been to the stadium, and it's almost like a major league stadium there. They fill out 20000 a, a game, and I'm pretty dang sure the Angels did too. So I guess in a sense, you know, that is kind of the perks of being promoted. But at the same time, yes, we, we, again, you bring up a great point. We need, I think minor leagues in general just need to be supported so much more and get paid so much, so much more. I mean, you look at something like Kyler Murray. I mean, granted, he's probably not going to stay in the minor leagues and play for the Oakland A's. But, I mean, it, if you would have gotten, you know, paid maybe a little bit better or something along, along the lines of that, he may not have chosen to go to football, which may have been a mistake because we know how good he's been at football. But, I mean, there's just so many avenues to go off on. I just really wanted to get your little tidbit. So, before you go anywhere, Brent, plug yourself. Where can I find you? Where can anybody follow you? All that fun stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BMAX94. You can follow my writ work at Crashing the Pearly Gates, and I'm doing the Locked On Angels podcast. Yes, go follow, go like, go listen to his podcast. He does, they do, he does a great job there. He does a great job writing. Like I said, he, me and Brent have grown up together. So, And go congratulate him if you have not already on proposing to his now fiance. Um, Brent, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.